0: Well, welcome to Life Point today. Thank you so much for being here. Also, welcome to our other locations watching this on video. Welcome, everybody, at Wake Forest. And we are in the last week of a series called Finding Your Way Back to God. And what we've been talking about is what this journey is like when we make the decision, the initial decision to come to Christ, or the decision, again, to turn our lives around. Our whole lives are in an area of our life to come back to God. And it's perfectly portrayed in this story that you just saw displayed on the screen that Jesus told in the New Testament. He told it so people would know what they could do if they found themselves far from God. People would know what they could do if they found their life going in the wrong direction. See, there's there's two approaches to life. You can either go through life, that's one way to live, or you can let life go through you. You know what I'm talking about, when life is going through you? I mean, I I remember September 1988, when I made the decision, I would be better off with Christ than without him. So I made that decision, and life started going through, through me. And then in June of 1992, the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen in my life walked down the aisle, and she actually married me. And then in December of 95 in january of 98 we welcomed our girls into the world I remember the first day that that our church said we're going to do multi-campuses we're not just going to stay in one place we're going to reach people where they are we're going to go to a different community and we launched our second location and I remember feeling so alive like life is making sense things are going great I feel like I'm in tune with God I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing And then two years ago when we opened this building and our church doubled like that, it scared me, but it also allowed life to flow through me. And you probably have those moments too. Maybe it's graduation for you. If you're a a senior, you're thinking, I just cannot wait to to get out from under mom and dad. And if they're paying for college, you're still not going to be out from under mom and dad. You just need to remember that. If you're getting ready to get married or you just got engaged or something relational is going on in your life and you just feel like life is just moving through you or you got a new job or, you, or you, just, you just made a big decision that you feel like it's gonna send your life off in the right direction or maybe you're one of the people in this series that have found their way back to God and you feel like life is flowing through you. Jesus told this story so we could find life. And today we're talking about what it means to say, this is life. This is living. This is the way God intended for it to be. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. We'd love to give you one of those. They're yours to keep. Just uh, raise your hand. The ushers will give you one. You can also read along as everything I read will also be up on the screen as well. So as we read our Bible, especially in the New Testament, it talks about life from two different perspectives. There's two words that are translated life and other words in the New Testament. Uh, The first word uh, is is bios, is where we get our word biology. And and the word bios in Greek that's translated life, it just simply means natural life or chronological life or marking time. In your life, you will sleep 230,000 hours. You will eat 76,000 meals. You go to the bathroom 200,000 times In your life. That's bios life. That's marking time. But then there's this other word that's used to describe life. And this word is Zoe. We have a little dog at our house. I talk about her a lot sometimes because she's, she, she makes for a lot of good stories. And And Zoe is actually the second version of a little white fluffy dog we had in our house. The first one was Daisy, who got this uh, horrible condition, and and she had to go be with Jesus. And so then we got Zoe, and we named her Zoe because Zoe means life. Not just life, but Zoe means life to the full. It's It's not about the quantity, but it's about quality. Zoe is what's going through you, what's going on inside of you. Zoe life is what helps keep people going in spite of what's going on around them. Have you ever met somebody like that, that they can have horrible things going on in their life? Life can be difficult. They can experience loss, tragedy, mistake after mistake, and somehow they still seem to have that something about them that they're going to be okay. And you might be looking like, are you kidding me? I would be curled up in the corner in a fetal position if that was me. How are you doing that? It's because they've figured out, and they've tapped into this Zoe life that's about quality, when, when we become aware of this bios in life, we're usually kind of small. That's when we look at our parents and say, one day, one day, mom, one day, dad, we're probably about this tall, nobody's going to tell me what to do. One day, I'm going to get there. And so at a very young age, we start to look at what's next. Just one day, I can't wait because when I'm in middle schooler, life will be better. Things will be great. And then I get middle school and I get picked on the whole time. And it's like high school, that's the ticket. If I can just get to high school, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Life's going to be great. Life's going to be perfect. I just got to get there. So you get there. And then uh, like homework, like you never imagined started. And then it's even bigger and even more people. So you think, you know, the ticket for life must be college. That's what it is. Graduating and, and getting to college. And so you're just marking time. Can't wait till I get to college because I'm going to have anybody to tell me what to do. You get to college. Guess what? You got professors telling you what to do at crazy times, not caring how, what the other professors are having you do. So you got somebody telling you what to do. Then you think, if I could just get out of college, oh my gosh, if I could just graduate and get a job. So nobody tells me what to do. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Life just started, right? And then you think, okay, I know what I'm, I what's missing. What's missing is uh, a husband or a wife. That's what I need. I need that because I don't want anybody telling tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then what happens? Then you realize, okay, that's not what it, it, must be kids. We need kids. That's what we need. We need kids. That's going to make life mean something. And it does. But but then you get kids and then it's soccer games and carpool and puke and poop and all that stuff you got to deal with with kids. And you think, oh, if you could just walk, everything would be easier. And then they walk and you think, oh my gosh, if you couldn't walk, that would be perfect. And then you think, oh, if you could just get to the day where I don't have to strap you in the car and you get there. And then you think, if you just get to the day where you could drive yourself and I wouldn't have to run all over town. If you could just get to the time when you graduate and it just could be me and her and me and him it could just be us and, and we wouldn't have to worry anymore if I could just get there and then you get there and you think okay we could get college paid for we get all that and now we could retire that'd be perfect and then no we won't have anybody to tell us anything to do and then so many people get to the end of life just marking time and look back and all they did through life was push forward to the next thing we we'll say well I can't wait to get out of this phase so I can get to the next phase And they never stop to enjoy this Zoe life that's promised each of us by God. And you're just worried about what's next and just marking time instead of worrying about the quality of life that's offered to each person. No matter where you are, no matter how young, no matter how old, Zoe life transcends time. Zoe life has eyes on eternity Zoe life can go through you. It's the life that Jesus was talking about in the New Testament. He said this in the New Testament book of John 10, chapter, verse 10 says this. I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. That word for life, when he says it, is Zoe. It's not I've come so you can click off days, so you can just mark time. He's saying I've come so you can have this full and complete and quality life. And that's what we're talking about in this last section. Of finding your way back to God. If, if you weren't here for the whole series, just get online and watch it. Get the book, Finding Your Way Back to God, that we have out at the cafe today as you leave. But we started out in week one talking about the way we find our way back to God is we awaken to certain things in our life. And the first awakening was we need to awaken ourselves to the fact that we long for something. We long for something deeper. We long for something more. And oftentimes that longing leads to the second awakening, which is regret. We try to fill our longings in the wrong way, and then we're sorry, and then we go back, and we start all over again, and we live this sorry cycle. And then in week three, we talked about this awakening to that, the fact that we don't have to do it alone. And we had hundreds of people walk down front and write something on a card and say, I, I need help. I don't want to do this on my own anymore. Even people who are followers of Christ said, I want to live with Christ's realization in my life day after day. I wanna be a Christ follower who understands longings and regret and I want God to help me with everything because I haven't allowed him to do that. And many, many people said, I wanna take that step and ask for help. And then the awakening to love, to to the fact that God loves us unconditionally. And all of those awakenings can be found in the context of the story you just saw, saw played out by those kids on the screen. The story of the prodigal son, or lost son, who left everything, squandered everything, and then came back and experienced forgiveness, experienced love, experienced celebration, and then started to experience life. What we haven't said about this story about the lost son is Jesus told this story for a particular reason to a particular group of people. This is how it started out in Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse one. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus was hanging out with people that the religious people said, you should not hang out with them. They were upset that he was focused more on them Then they, more on the lost people, the people who had lost their way, than he was focusing on the religious people. That would be churched people. And they were upset, saying, how could you spend more time worrying about them than us, Jesus? We're the ones that try to obey. We're the ones that read your word. We're the ones that listen to you, and you're spending time with these people who don't. How could you do that? Why would you do that? And so Jesus tells them three stories. Actually, the third story is the story of the lost son. The first story he tells them is a story about a shepherd. And the shepherd who had 100 sheep, and one of them wanders off, and Jesus said he leaves 99 and goes and finds this one who had wandered off. And after he finds it, this is what happens. In verse 6 of Luke 15, it says, rejoice with me because I found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's more Joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. So, lost sheep, leaves it, focuses on this one that's wandered off, finds it, brings it back, and says, Let's have a party. And Jesus said, There's a big party in heaven every time somebody finds their way back to me. There's a big party every time. Heaven stands waiting in anticipation of somebody making that turn. And and they're ready to crank up the music any moment when somebody says, I wanna find my way back to God. Then he tells another story. After about the lost sheep, he tells a story about a lost coin, a woman who lost this coin that would have represented her ability to attract a husband. And so what does she do? She rips her house apart looking for this coin. And it says this. And when she finds it, She will call her friends and neighbors and say, rejoice with me, I've found my lost coin. In the same way, there's joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. So Jesus is trying to tell them, this is why I'm hanging out with people who have lost their way. Jesus is trying to create parties in heaven. And he's saying, you're so concerned about yourselves and why am I hanging out with people like this? Because they're the ones that need my help. And what he's really trying to say is, you need to help me find them. Stop whining. And then he obviously can tell they're not getting it. So then he says this. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Interesting, the word wealth is also the same word that can be used for life which in the original language is bios. So what it's saying is this father gave all of his life, all of his stuff, all the stuff that he had accumulated, all the things that are counted, he gave it away to both sons. A more accurate literal translation would just be to say, so the father agreed to divide his life between his sons, his bios, his things, And Jesus is trying to get the religious people to see themselves in this story. Because remember, they're upset because he's focusing on the people who had lost their way. And in all three of these stories, there's a common theme. The first two, something of value was lost, and then it warranted an all-out search. I'm going to go, I'm going to risk everything to search for that one that's wandered off. I'm going to rip the house apart to find that one thing no matter what it takes is what I'm going to do. And the third one's a little bit different. It's the father waiting in anticipation for the son to come home. And it's not the search that Jesus highlights, but it's the acceptance of the son by the father, the acceptance of the one who had wandered off. And then the older brothers only mentioned at the beginning of the story and then, he, then we go through the story about the young man running away, about all the difficulty, about him rehearsing how he's going to ask his dad to forgive him, about his dad expressing his unconditional love and welcoming back home, saying, let's get my son cleaned up. Let's have a party. He was dead. Now he's alive. And then this is what happens. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. So here's the older brother who took what his dad gave him but stayed and stayed loyal to his dad. He's still working very hard for his dad, counting bios time. I'm doing this for dad, I'm doing this for dad. He's walking in hot, sweaty, dirty from the field. He sees lights and hears, (laughs) you know, people dancing. And he hears people screaming. And he said, what's going on? What's happening? He says, well, you're, Dad killed the fattened calf They're having a big party for your brother. And it says, the older brother was angry, it wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me one young goat to feast with my friends. Yet when the son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed with me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your son, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and he is found. He's trying to say, look, we're having a party because look, your brother is back. And what Jesus is trying to do is get these religious leaders to find themselves in this story. Because their, their complaint was, this man, Jesus, hangs out with sinners. And Jesus didn't say, well, okay, let me, let me give you four points for I hang out with sinners. Point number one starts with A. Point number two starts with A. He, he didn't do that. He said, let me tell you some stories. And he told these three stories in hopes that the people listening would find themselves in this story and understand why is Jesus willing to offend all of the religious world to go find the one who had wandered off why is he willing to do that? Because he knows that brings them into a relationship with him and lets them find life. And if helping the lost find life happens to offend those that aren't lost, then big deal. Then so be it. Then let him be offended. And Jesus is hoping they find some conviction in this story. So maybe you find yourself in this story. So the older brother is clearly the religious leaders. That's who Jesus is making a parallel with. That's who he's hoping that they they find themselves in is this older brother. And those were the ones who were selfish and upset that he was spending time with those that would wander off. The brother was upset. The younger brother was getting all the attention. So what does that look like today? Think about this. How much do you celebrate with those who find their way back to God? Do you celebrate with them, or are they more of a nuisance to you? Are ungodly people more annoying to you, or do you see it as an opportunity to help people find their way back to God? Did you find yourself during this series saying, I already found my way back to God, That's, I don't need to listen to that. I don't have that problem, I don't have that problem. Did you find yourself saying that? Did you have trouble praying that prayer, God, if you're real, make yourself real to me because, hey, I already believe God is real, and I don't need to pray that prayer, thank you very much. Was that you? Did you say that? Maybe, maybe, maybe it's true, you don't need to find your way back to God. Maybe it's true, you already believe in God and you just said I'm not gonna pray that prayer but you have a friend who needs it. You have somebody that you know that you love that may even be in your house who needs it. So don't be the older brother and say well, why are we spending so much time on them? Why would you do that? Don't be that person. And Jesus is saying look, you religious leaders you're whining, you're complaining because I'm spending time with people to help them find life. Stop whining. Stop complaining. Celebrate with people. Help people find their way back to God. Help people connect with God. So some of you, it may sting a little bit to realize it, but you're acting like the religious leaders or the older brother because it's not for me. Enough on that. Another character in the story is the dad. Whether you're a mom or a dad, man or woman, it doesn't matter. Maybe that's you. Maybe you can identify with hoping and praying that somebody would come home. Hoping and praying that one day their life would turn around. Hoping and praying that some way, somewhere, sometime, you would open up the door and you'd see them walking through. Because some of you come to church by yourself. Some of you left a spouse at home. Some of you left parents at home. Some of you left friends that refused to come with you. But you still come and you're just hoping that one day you're going to get up and get ready and they're going to say, hey, let me go with you. Or they've left your home and you're hoping one day I'm going to look and they're going to be pulling in the driveway. So maybe you find yourself as that dad who optimistically probably sat there every day thinking, is this the day my boy is going to come home? And Jesus said, I know how you feel. I know what it feels like to wait. And maybe as we've gone through this story, you identify with the son. All of us can at different times in our life. Where you need to come home and you're not sure what to expect. You don't know if you'll be accepted or rejected. And I don't know what would happen in your earthly relationships, but I can guarantee you from God's perspective and this church's perspective, you will be accepted 100% when you say, I want to come home. And a party awaits. That's what Jesus says. Party. Have a party when sinners come home. Have a party when people find their way back to God. And then there's the crowd. Maybe you just identify with the crowd and you're just here and you're like, hey, I found my way back to God. But when I saw those people walk up there and put those cards on the stage, when I saw people get baptized, when I saw people stand in tears because the music of the message touched them that day, I was just standing in my seat and I was just like, yes, I love this. I love seeing people find their way back to God. I love seeing people finally make that turn. And maybe you're one of the crowd and you can identify with, yes, I celebrate every single time I see it. And so in this story, they celebrated and they partied and they danced. And the story ends with them descri- with the- Jesus describing this Zoe life. This life to the full that he promises all of us. The religious leaders and the older brother missed it. They got a lot of things right they obeyed the right rules, but life wasn't flowing through them. And when, when, you, when you find your way back to God, life can flow through you. And the words when Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full, really can be true for you. So how many of you want the Zoe kind of life? Just, just raise your hand. How many of you want that? It should be, it's 100%. We all want that kind of life. We don't just want to count time, but there's a difference in saying, I want that kind of life and saying nothing will stop me from living that kind of life. It's easy to want it. You can want a lot of things, but then it's a shift to say, nothing will stop me from living the Zoe life. So here's a few questions I'll close with that maybe can help you start to live the Zoe life because many of you haven't been. You're just marking time. You're just waiting on the next thing. You're just waiting until the next part in life because you think when you get there, everything's gonna be great. So here's how you can make sure you're not just marking time and you're living the Zoe life instead of the Bios life. Ask yourself this question first and write these down if you're taking notes. These aren't on the screen. What am I celebrating? Each story ends with a celebration. A celebration that that which was lost was found. I mean, do you start a lot of sentences in your life and in your family with, I don't have the time. I can't get to that right now. Things are too busy. Or do you start with saying, that sounds like fun, let's do it. The religious leaders and the older brother had a hard time celebrating because for them, life was all about getting what they wanted. So what are you celebrating? That's why we celebrate stories of changed lives and second chances, people living a new life. So start thinking about, discuss it around the table if, you're, if you have a family, Hey, what do we celebrate? What is it we celebrate? What what do we do? What makes us feel like we're living life the way it was meant to be? Question number two Where am I connected? Am I connected with others that'll help me live the Zoe life? Or am I connected with people that just help me merely mark time and space on the planet? See, the reason we have growth opportunities at our church is because we want you to get connected. So ask yourself Where am I connected? You're gonna hear about a couple of ways out of this series to really get connected. Uh, two, two things that we're gonna be doing. One's called Life Healing Choices and one's called Starting Point. At the end of the service, you'll see a video about what both of those are. And if you wanna know what's my next step out of this, do those classes. If you haven't done those, do those groups. They're short-term grow groups. And if you've already done those or you think those aren't for you, just go to findmygroup.com and find a group that you can sit with and be connected with. Today, we're gonna have a party right out there on the field after, after the second service. So if, uh, if you go grab some lunch, if you didn't reserve your lunch, uh, we've got a few extra, but there's also time if you're here for the first time, just go out there and say, Donnie said I could have some barbecue. I'm here for the first time. You can have some. I won't eat mine. You can have yours. But you got plenty of time to go grab some lunch and come back and just meet some people. Connect with folks. Get to know people. Last question, how am I investing my life? Over and over again, you can read about old people being asked when they get to the end of life, 80s, 90-year-old, when they say, uh, well, if you could live life over again, what would you do? None of them say, I would have had a higher-paying job. None of them say, I would have worked more hours. I think I would have. That, that probably would have been the answer to life. None of, them would have, none of them say that. What they say consistently in all cultures around the world is this. If I could start over again, I would live my life in such a way that, would li- that do things and live in such a way that things I invested in would live on long after I'm gone. So you want to live a Zoe life, invest in things that go on after you leave this earth, after your bios life is over. So if your job keeps you from your family, get a different job. Now you might go, yeah, thanks, Donnie, I appreciate that. You might have to sell your house, you might have to sell something else, but if it keeps you from living that kind of life that Jesus promised, change do something else. It's, it may not be difficult. I mean, it may not be hard. It may be very difficult, but do it. Invest in things that matter. When I first made a decision that I was going to follow Christ, I started working with college kids because I was one myself and that's where I volunteered. And then all of a sudden a, a career change came or my career path changed and I became a college pastor and I started investing in college kids And up until about 11 years ago, that's what I did. First 12 years in ministry, that's all I did. Three different campuses around the country, invested in college kids. And over the past few years, it's been awesome to watch them do things. One of them just planted a church two weeks ago. Some of them are missionaries across the world. And when LifePoint first started and I had to raise my salary to be a part of starting a church, some of the biggest givers were college kids that I had invested in five or ten years prior to that. Invest your life in something that matters. You can't match that with a high-paying job. You can't match that with great experiences. But invest your life in such a way that it brings life to others. So the big prayer, the the last prayer on this 30-day wager is this. God, if you're real, make yourself real to me awaken in me the confidence that I can live a brand new life. Have you taken that step back towards God over the last five weeks? Has that happened for you? Because hundreds of people have, and I hope you can celebrate that. Some people are here because their friends brought them. Their friends said, hey, I I want you to come and see my church now you came down front and you said hey I really love this I really want to be a bigger part of it and people found their way back to God over the last several weeks and all the stories that Jesus told they had one common theme they ended in celebration they ended in a changed life they ended with saying these people have found life if you're the older brother or the religious leaders stop worrying about yourself so much If you're the dad waiting for someone to come home, keep waiting. And if you're the lost son, forgiveness awaits you. It awaits you. All you have to do, it doesn't matter. We don't have to be in this series, but at any time you can say, I'm turning my life around and I'm starting over. That is what Jesus said causes parties in heaven. I want to live my life in a way that causes a lot of parties in heaven. I don't want to just live life. I want life to go through me. And I hope you do too. Let's celebrate with some of the people on the screen who made a decision that they were going to find their way back to God. And they also made a decision that, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna publicly display that through following Christ in baptism. So let's celebrate with these people who found their way back to God. Take a look.